Hello and welcome to the Nourished Chat. I'm Bonnie, registered dietitian and founder of the Nourished Path Personal Online Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to give you all of my best tips and tricks to live a more nourished life without giving up all your favorite foods or spending all of your time cooking. I have a very special episode for you today. So if you caught it last month, we listened to part of an Instagram live that Coach Trisha did with Sean, who is a doctor of chiropractic medicine. And they talked for like an hour and a half. And there were some very good snippets from that that didn't really fit into one specific category. So instead, I'm going to call this episode like a myth buster, because I talk about several different subjects. If you want to see those subjects, you can check out the description below the podcast, or you can just listen and be surprised and kind of follow along with the conversation because it just, it's one of those conversations that just flowed so well that it's, I think, very interesting to listen to. So without further ado, here's our own coach, Trisha, registered dietitian, and Sean, doctor of chiropractic medicine. So one question, how to lose belly fat fat with F45 training and nutrition. So we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but my two cents would be essentially you can't target that. If you want to target belly fat, you're just going to have to surgically remove it directly from its source, right? Like there's no way to tell the body, like only take this. Part of it's genetic, right? Like where we tend to store fat, especially male versus female. Stature. Uh, But yep, stature, yep, height, kind of where, where you have room to put stuff. Right. If you are like you and me are pretty tall and lanky, like we have more room to disperse yep. stuff. If you're a little shorter and stouter, you don't have as much room to displace it. So there's that genetic component to it as well. Yep. Yep. A lot of it also is if you're drinking alcohol, like that one for sure, many people gain in their abdomen. And so yep. if you're, you know, even if it's wine, you my my mom's out there in yep. the Pacific Northwesters. So I want I love wine too. Yep. But if you're drinking wine or any literal alcohol in general, your body often stores that in your abdomen. Yep. Like that's just how it works. Obviously, you know, we can't pick and choose, but that one in particular, like there's enough research that supports like that's where that one goes. Yeah, unfortunately. Put it in my beer, you know, like the classic <laughs> beer belly, yeah. right? Like there's a reason. that's a thing. And so would, the start would be of removing the alcohol. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I know of people that in my past have like gotten rid of soda and soda is another okay. quick one, partially because of the sugar and stuff as well. That one doesn't directly pull around the abdomen, but in general, it's just like getting rid of, they always say, don't drink your calories and stuff like that. Getting rid of those big guys, right? Like alcohol and soda mm-hmm. and that, those things can have drastic effects, especially if that's like a routine part of your life. Like there's yeah. people that drink two to three Cokes yeah. a day. Yeah, it's crazy. So a lot. That's one of the things that my people find out fast is I give them their macro bank, essentially, and that's up to them how they choose to spend it. But if they want to have 30 grams of carbohydrate coming from a Coke, they're not going to have much space for the rest of the day. So they figure it out really quick that, you know, the plan just doesn't support. They can do that, but the plan doesn't really support it, so it just naturally goes away. (laughs) Like, without me really having to say anything. But then they'll be like, oh, I do Diet Coke. And then it's like, it's still the carbonation, like, it's still not... Like, I have a client that she's been out two weeks now without it. But, you know, alcohol, even, it's a toxin. Yeah. And so, like, me me has commented about, like, the scale goes up the next day. Yeah, it causes the scale to go up. 
it does. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the most immediate impact on the scale, and it probably will go up for another two or three days post that. And for some people, it doesn't go up right away. It, the scale does go up, though, in two to three days, and then it comes down because your body's trying to get rid of a toxin that you put into the body. It's like trying yeah. to fight it, and that causes inflammation. The scale's going to go up, even if you were, like, on target for all your cows and macros, including the alcohol. It's just what it, it just what it, that's what it does. Yeah. yeah, it's like that. It's a choice. You know it's going to happen. You just kind of work yeah. with it. Let's see, Megan asks, how much of our supplements do we actually absorb versus just leaving our body as waste? For example, vitamins, creatine, pre-workout, but that's going to depend obviously on which one we're talking about. But I think the, the overlying question there is like, should I pay money for a supplement? And we talked about this a little bit, but should I put money into a supplement if I'm just going to pay it all out anyway? Yeah, it depends on what supplement, like you said, which vitamin or mineral. Mm-hmm. You know, there's water-soluble vitamins that need to be replenished every day. If we don't, mm-hmm. then our body isn't getting enough. Our body can't make it necessarily be uh, the B vitamins and vitamin C are big ones for that one. So if you're taking, you know, having a B complex or something is fine. Um, Vitamin C, if you're eating fruit, that's okay too. A lot of times for my clients, like enough, we have to, you have to be eating enough food to be able to get enough vitamins and minerals. And if I have you in a deficit, then it probably would be a good idea to be on a multivitamin. You know, the absorption of the multivitamin, it's not as bioavailable as getting it through the food. And of course, I would prefer to have it through the food. But if I can cover the bases just with what is absorbed, and then we're improving the quality of your diet altogether, then I see that those things go hand in hand. When it comes down to other vitamins that are like essential, vitamin D is a fat soluble, there's fat soluble vitamins, so ones that are stored in your fat. Um, But more of fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin A, D, E, and K, is not better um, because it's stored in your fat. So you can easily have too high of levels for those. A lot of people, it's really hard to get really high vitamin D, but if you're on like 5,000 IUs or more per day forever, your vitamin D is going to be high. There is such a thing as a toxic level of a vitamin, which many people don't consider. Um, And there's, you know, things that can happen. There's signs and symptoms of having toxicity. Um, But people always think like, oh, it's such a good thing because it's been marketed in that way and it's not necessarily regulated that much you know my parents were like oh i'm on you know 5,000 ius of vitamin d and i'm like why was it extremely low like if your level is extremely low there's a protocol where you Mm -hmm. will be on a higher level but then you drop to a maintenance many times 2,000 ius is fine that's what i take every day if i remember yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) but that that it's more the the water soluble vitamins that if your body's not using it you do excrete it as well yeah creatine and pre-workout the creatine i think a lot of it if you're getting enough protein you're actually probably getting enough creatine Mm -hmm. if you're not getting enough protein which again a lot of my people are eating way more protein than what they were before as well but i don't think it's necessarily where it's excreted i don't i it's such a new thing where it's not something that i like learned a whole lot of or researched on Mm -hmm. um way back when <laughs> right yeah <laughs> things have changed that's the problem it changes with so much and yeah. just the health world all of it changes daily and there's so much conflicting evidence so next question is dieting really a good thing diet meaning some sort of restriction and sometimes breaks our relationship to food so we've talked a, i think a little bit about like deficits and whatnot enough i guess we can kind of take this question into like the relationship of food when it comes to working with a nutrition coach and whatnot how do you modulate the relationship with food especially i feel like a lot of people come in with such a negative relationship yeah. with food. yeah it's i for this one i looked up to the definition of diet we all have a diet it's what we are eating 
Right. We've are because of the word fad diet mm -hmm. and keto diet and this diet and that diet and da 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 da. da yep. We've negatively associated the term diet to what that means. But we all have a diet. <laughs> like it's what we eat. Yeah. That's what a diet is. You know, it's if you're doing if you are on a restricted diet to yep. promote weight loss or achieve other goals or a surplus diet right, to gain yeah. more, a higher calorie, higher protein diet for other reasons, or you're on a low fiber diet for GI issues and recovery, right? There's all these other things that are incorporated into that, but essentially everybody has a diet. And I mean, I'm accepting new clients. So if somebody wants to be on a restricted diet to reach other goals um, while feeling not deprived of food and reframe the way that you think about diet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, it's all virtual. You can be anywhere. You can be in Amsterdam if you want. Yep. Yeah. What I guess my one quick question would be like, what what do you think is like like the background that people come in with that has ruined their relationship with food, either in a excessive consumption or an underconsumption? Um well a lot of it is modeled when we're children. Okay. by who, what we're being fed into. A lot of women get impacted by this the most, I think, mm -hmm. but I think it's also a layer of, you know, if, if for it's more like female focused, but I think guys have the same thing. You know, you learn certain things from what you see. And so that's a big one. It's also what you're marketed and in your generation. So that's something okay. I've kind of like become more aware of with clients because I have clients that are, you know, in their 20s. I have clients that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s even. So a wide range of clients and it's based on what was marketed to them when they were younger. So a yeah. lot of like my clients that are in their 50s, 60s, they don't eat enough fat. Like I can't get them to eat enough fat. They're all no fat, low fat, nothing. And so that's what I work on. Just like we need more for my clients that are in like my like 30, late 30, mid 30 to probably 40, 50 even that's all low carb i need to get people to get more carbs in like more carbs or energy like you need that and then younger clients like are actually eating too much fat and so then they're in a calorie surplus because fats have more calories than any other macro program and so it's about cutting that down as well so it's just very generational um yeah. as well but i don't recall what your i i went on a tangent i don't recall what your initial question no, was. that was it was essentially just like the relationship of food and how that was um impacted from like you said in early childhood oh, you, you yeah. model Yep. You kind of model a lot of what you do off of the way you were raised. Um, oh. Whether that comes to relationships, honestly, there's even some studies looking into these things called mirror neurons, and yeah. essentially, like how you visualize how your parents even how they move and walk. Sometimes, like there's been arguments that like bunions are actually sometimes because you've actually started walking funny the way your mom did. So it's not That's a so interesting. Yeah, super cool. It's not even <laughs> like a. It's not even like a, a genetic thing, thing in your genes. Yeah. It's just like you're mirroring and you're kind yeah. of working your biomechanics like the world Monthly around you and if your mom you had money into it, exactly right <laughs> so it comes, it's it's back there with food as well yeah. and i guess yeah going back to those fad diets and whatnot and a lot of my understanding is like when it was low fat things have to taste good for people to eat them so when they got rid of fat which can taste good they packed it with sugar when they got rid of like low carb and that got rid of sugars they packed it with fat so it's, it was always the same thing they were just swapping one out with the other mm -hmm. so it would still taste good but made the numbers one way or another look and sodium better was sodium added for all of it salt yep wild um okay last couple here uh quick one audrey asked any good vegan or vegetarian protein powders that you can recommend i use whey so i don't know if there's anything that 
Yeah. So there are several, you know, it's again, it's what is it, what's in it, you know, like not even from a nutrient level, but from a macro perspective level, like I, I have several, I have like three protein powders that I have that I use for different cases or different situations, I should say, you know, some have a little bit more carb in it than, and protein. Some have no carb and just protein as well. When it comes to a vegan version, it's very similar in that. Like, are you looking for one that's just like a protein substitute to a protein at a meal that's with, Mm -hmm. you know, you still have carbohydrates and you still have a salad or veggies or whatever else with that meal, but no protein then you'd add a protein powder in, right? It's never intended to be a meal replacement because it's never on like a, a whole thing on its own, unless it does have the carbs in it, right. which many times it doesn't. But for plant-based specifically, I would make sure that there is enough protein in it. Mm-hmm. So there's um, an organ. Organ is a good one. A lot of people, it's um, like more dietitian, nutrition science focused. So O-R-G-A-I-N, many people know this one, they see it often it's it's at regular grocery stores but they have a plant-based protein so ready i always like ready-made because it's so fast mm-hmm. <laughs> i just grab it right. versus the powder but this has a pea protein in it so sometimes pea protein doesn't have a very good flavor aftertaste yeah. um so it's like no uh it's not very good but this one like that i found is yeah it's just making sure it has enough protein powder excuse me, protein in it, and then the calories are what you need it for. Um, Other ones are soy lent. So this is a a soy-based one that a lot of clients like. I know there's like all this stuff about soy. It's not as extreme as what we think it is. Soy is okay. Um, It's just if you're eating excessive levels of it, it can interfere and increase your estrogen levels, but not extreme because a lot of times these are done on, the studies are done on little mice and we're not little nice as well so but thinking about like that so this soy lint i've had clients that are on this one this one's a little higher in in calories and you know but it also gives you 30 grams of protein so it's really again it's based off what are we getting even if we're vegan or vegetarian our body still needs protein and you have to work even harder to get it just because you choose to follow a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle doesn't mean that your body you know metabolically need doesn't need it you do and it's you have to you have to be very specific on how you do it and it even goes down to vitamins and minerals as well so making sure you're supplementing especially for vegan diets like there's a lot of vitamin and mineral supplements that you need to take usually B12 and zinc for sure, vitamin D as well, because you're not getting that through your food. Another product, I like Garden of Life just in general. They have a lot of good stuff. So they have a another like a pea protein, brown rice protein kind of mix protein powder. This one has uh, 28 grams of protein while having 180 calories and the carbohydrates are like 11. But those are a few that kind of stood out to me when Uh, I was looking through that. Yeah, yeah, Audrey said that. There's several vegetarians, vegans doing that challenge. So very critical that, like you said, it's harder for them to get certain nutrients in. So making sure that- Yeah, if they are, if they're lacto-ovo-vegetarians, it helps, it's easier. Because yeah. <laughs> then you yeah. have dairy and then you can have eggs and egg whites. Egg whites are really protein packed and easy to get straight protein in. But mm-hmm. it's helpful when you have a little bit more flexibility, pescatarian, yeah. right. fish. Right. Yeah, a lot easier. Alrighty, last one. Uh, Jordan asked me at one point, I couldn't find exactly the claim that she was referring to, but I kind of broke it down into two parts of it. She'd asked if you consume creatine and you don't take sufficient water intake with it, can that make you essentially gain weight? I couldn't find anything with that claim, but in general, my understanding with creatine, especially as a supplement, because like you said, you can get it actually from like your food as well, meat products. 
that what creatine does really well, and if you have ever thrown creatine in water, you can watch this. It just dissolves in, in, like instantly. Creatine's thing is that it pulls water towards it, right? It's very, very water-soluble, very hydrophilic, meaning that it loves water. So what the research I, um, I found was that any weight gain that you likely see due to creatine is because of water retention, right? When the creatine goes into your body, it pulls water along with it. You're holding essentially more water. So if you're gaining weight, it's likely due to the water that you're holding on to. Mm -hmm. If you basically stop taking creatine over the course of probably a week or two, you'll see that weight come off. Because again, there's, I think there's an idea of like, you can kind of pack your body with an, a level of creatine, which you can then maintenance it, just like with a lot of supplements. And once you're at that point, that's kind of like the weight that you can gain from creatine. But in general, if you stop taking it, it'll, it'll go away. And the other side of that was like, okay, what about without sufficient water intake? What's that look like? A couple of things I found, there were a couple meta meta-analyses, systematic reviews that were talking about, like, is there any risk essentially to taking it mainly as directed? And there's been some like talk of a risk of dehydration with creatine. If you take it, it's going to take water out of your blood vessels and pack it into your muscles. And then you're not going to have enough water for anywhere else. Everything that I found said that's not really a risk as long as you're taking it as directed, yeah. um, which mo most of the times anywhere from like two to four ish grams. I think that one of our cells is like 0.3 grams. Yeah, so yeah. four to five. But, uh, what I found is four to five, but ramping up to five. that starting there. Okay. Yeah. So in general, as long as you're taking it as directed, there's not really a, a fear, but there is probably associated weight gain, but again, it's more likely water weight yeah. um, due to the retention that it brings in. Yeah, so it brings, yeah. The, what I found and what I often share with clients is like when starting it, it just like draws the water into the muscle, and so there you're going to likely see at least a two-pound gain from that. After several weeks, though, I think it evens out, yeah. um, and your body's getting used to it, um, but then it goes to back down to hydration. You know, it doesn't matter if you're, whatever you're having, if you're not getting enough water, which for many people, it needs to be no less, like 64 to 80. Like I do 80 to 100 easy every day. And a lot of times it's more that. And if you're seeing fluctuations on the scale, it means you're dehydrated or you're not drinking enough and having excess sodium potentially as well. So making sure that you ramp up on your water intake and then alcohol, you throw that in there and volume of food or whatever, weight of food or dehydration. There's so many things, sleep deprivation, you know, like not getting enough sleep, there's so many, we can go on forever. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> yeah. We don't have time. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what I found as well. Otherwise, that's all I got. I don't see anyone else having any further questions. Yeah. I think that somebody had asked, that was like one of the creatine ones way early, but we just talked about it. Though. Yeah, and yeah. like scrolling back here. But yeah, hopefully this was helpful for everyone. Thank, I mean, we've had, a bunch of people popping in and out. A few of you yeah. stuck around for the duration. So thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening to us ramble. this whole time. I it's know. awesome. For those that are in the Washington, Buffalo area, we both work out at the F45 in Buffalo. Trisha works with clients all around the world, obviously. So if you're looking for mm -hmm. someone, I guess, how what's the easiest way for them to reach out to you? Through my Instagram, nutrition underscore by Trisha underscore Trisha. Okay. Or you could go to the nourishpath.com too. That would be a way. Okay. Sweet. Uh, but yeah, so the, the big takeaway from all this is like, honestly, it's like we call it the KISS principle. Keep it super simple. It really doesn't have to be incredibly complicated, even though it's a world that appears very complicated from the outside. But it's obviously beneficial to have somebody that has professional knowledge and has the insight to individualize and tailor it to you because there's overarching things that are going to be pretty general like making sure you're hitting macros and stuff but especially as your health history comes up and your past 
personal experience with food and like cultural significance of food and then how that's going to play into especially if you're hopefully living an active lifestyle and how you have to time all that stuff up if you liked this episode please follow and rate the podcast and share it with a friend it really means a world of difference for this small podcast to get discovered and help more people and thank you so much for joining us today 